Hello, my dear curious friend, and welcome to another episode of the Curious Power Podcast Sessions. Today, I'm bringing you a person that you have already met. Her name is Molly, and she joined us for the Granada episode. But she is a food tour guide. She's doing that in Spain, and she has a deep knowledge about the Spanish food. So I'm bringing her back. We talk not, about, not only about paella and sangria and tapas, but other things like Honey from Mango, like she shared a lot of things. I learned a lot and I can't wait to share this episode with you. By the way, before we begin, I would like to invite you to the place where the conversation is happening about the podcast sessions. If you have a question or comment or anything else you would like to share regarding to the podcast, just use hashtag CuriousPowerPodcast in any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know it. Curious Power Podcast. And also, if you like this podcast, it will mean a lot, really a lot. It will help a lot if you just leave a review at the end. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hello, Molly. Welcome back for another episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about food today. And I heard that you prepared something for us as well to show us. Is that correct? Yeah, I have my props already. Well, not all of them, but I had some of them. But I'm just, it, this should go with a warning. If anybody's hungry, like maybe they should listen to this later because it's going to make them even more hungry. <laughs> okay, I, I love the disclaimer. Okay, so the reason why we're going to be talking about Spanish food is because you have a company that makes, that, that gives tours and educating people about the food. So, I'm really not sure how to start this episode, you know, where to start from. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking just to give it to you, you know, give the stage to you and where we're going to start from. How, how does this sound? Sure, that's fine. That's All fine. Right. So I think we should start at the beginning. What do people think of when they think about Spanish food? And I think the first thing in people's mind will be paella. Yes. Go on, tell me. I would say, I would say paella and tapas. There we go. Paella, sangria, tapas, maybe Spanish omelette, those kind of things. Uh So what? first I'll talk about tapas because it seems to be always on trend at the moment. And I think sometimes what happens, especially in the US and in the UK, that people get things kind of a little bit mixed up where... Messe, which is kind of more Greek and that area of the world and Italian food um, and Spanish food all kind of gets mixed up and it's all called tapas. I even heard that <laughs> a restaurant somewhere in the UK that were doing Indian tapas. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so one thing is sharing plates that can be anything you like, but when you're calling them tapas, tapas is a whole kind of system and a culture and I think it needs a little bit of kind of care (laughs) so tapas is um usually uh basic basically is where the restaurant or the bar have some things in their kitchen that they want to share with their with their guests or the clients and they want to kind of give them a little something with their drink Um, And it's usually seasonal. It's usually what they've got hanging about. It's something like, when I say hanging around, I mean, it's something like very easy to prepare, very quick to prepare. It's not something necessarily elaborated. That 
Initially, that's how tapas began. So it's normally a bit of cheese that they can slice quickly or a bit of ham or a bit of cocoa. I have here my salchichon. Salchichon is a very typical tapa. This is a pork product, usually with lots of um, black pepper inside. Absolutely amazing, delicious with a cold beer. So the tapas is normally something like that, uh, some cold cut or cheese or something that you can quickly, the guy who's serving you a beer can quickly prepare and have it ready to go. Or maybe they prepare some big dish and then they just, you know, put it out on a, on a little plate for you. So that's tapas. But then when restaurants outside of Spain get the idea of tapas and run with it, then it becomes a product and then it becomes something they want to charge for. And then they want to make it fancy because they want to charge you £10 for every single plate of tapas. So then when that's when it's all getting distorted. <laughs> so then what happens is people who are in other countries, they have tapas in their local tapas bar, Spanish restaurant, whatever, and then they think that when they come here, they're going to get the same thing. <laughs> and it doesn't work like that. So, yeah, anyway, just a little bit about the tapas culture. I think here is a, the point that we can mention that from the previous podcast yeah. episode, when we talk about, you said that in Granada, you know, you get a tapa for free when you order a drink. Yeah. So, well, in Granada and in other places like Jaén and Almeria, in some places in Cordoba, they also do it. And basically, it's just like a welcome. It's like maybe in maybe you go and you have a, a you order some a round of drinks and they may put some um, olives or some salted almonds and then maybe some little slices of cheese or something like that. It may be something very simple, but mm. it may be something warm, like a, a fried ham croquette or something like that. But it's basically almost like a welcome to the place. But it's also um, very healthy because it means that if you're drinking alcohol, you're not drinking the alcohol alone. So when the effect on your body, when the alcohol goes in, you get a very um, spike in your blood sugar. Whereas if you're eating at the same time, it's better because that is more controlled. So basically the alcohol doesn't mm -hmm. go to your head so quickly as if you didn't have the tapa. So it's also kind of the barman looking after you. <laughs> That's lovely. That's lovely. Okay. Um, what was the next one? I think we, we were just going so, to with Paella is also something that many people associate with Spanish food and they say it's a Spain's national dish and things like that. But paella really was a very humble uh, dish that originated in Valencia um, and is also very popular in Alicante. And basically it was the people who were cultivating rice in that part of Spain. They were the agricultural laborers and they were cultivating rice. So they'd use the rice, make a, a barbecue, like a fire to prepare the rice and throw in there whatever they had to hand, which would have been maybe some beans, maybe some vegetables like an artichoke or some whatever random vegetables they have hanging around the, their land. And then the protein would have been, again, what they had. So it may have been rabbit. It may have been, I don't know, like a water vole or a snake or a whatever they had protein hanging around i mean i'm talking the in the olden days when yeah, yeah. when things weren't like they are now um so paella was basically when somebody is working they can't go home because they're working in the fields and they just 
whip up some kind of um, bake on this on this fire outside using olive wood traditionally. And that's how the paella originated. And then each family have their own recipe, like many other families across the world with different with different foods now. Like in India, every family has their own curry. And there we go. In the UK, a lot of people have their own way of making gravy. And it's like, no, it's got to be my, my grandma's gravy, that kind of thing. So paella originated as a very, very humble dish. And then it's over the years, it's become more traditional. It's more very traditional. And it's also become kind of more formulated. So it's kind of more it has to have this ingredient, it should be done this way. And the, the paella that everybody speaks of, the famous one is the Valencian paella. And that Valencian paella doesn't actually have um, seafood in it. It's rabbit it or chicken, it's vegetables, there's a certain kind of bean, like a pulsa, like a flat yellow bean. Um, it obviously has rice, it has saffron, and uh, the the base, which is uh, tomato and onion. So it's basically a lot of vegetables with uh, chicken or rabbit. It, but there's not seafood in there. The so seafood paella is something different. The seafood paella is something that everybody associates with, Spanish people associate with, um, summer holidays, Sunday with the family by the beach. It's and that's the thing. If you go to the beach and you ask for rice, well, log logically you want fish on it because I mean you're in this, you're in a coastal area. The fish is good, the seafood is good, uh, the shellfish, and so you want to make mix that in with your rice. So that's what we call a paella mixta because it might have meat and fish hmm. or a seafood paella. And then there's, but rice, there's so many dishes, but you, because it's a rice dish, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's a paella. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. So how did the seafood paella came together? Is it just people from the coastline? They just say, okay, well, instead of rabbit, why don't we just put what we have, which is seafood? Well, it's curious but seafood paella began in the area um in cadiz province so cadiz some of the people who were growing rice in valencia alicante region they got to a point where they'd run out of space so they were they cultivated all the land with rice they had no more land to expand but then they've got more families sons daughters who want to progress so they took their knowledge down to cadiz in an area that's marshy, it's perfect for cultivating rice. They took their knowledge over to that area and planted rice in that area. And in this area, we're on the Atlantic where the red prawn is very um, good in this area. So you've got the mix of the sea and the rice. And that's where the paella would have begun, the one we know, which is the seafood paella. Oh. in that corner of Spain so that's in Cadiz region so that's in Andalusia but you can't that is a paella but you can't call it Valenciana the Valencia paella is the traditional one from Valencia and the one down in Cadiz is a seafood paella or, or mixta I see okay that's interesting so Cadiz and Valencia all right um 
what was the what was the next uh, point of of stop that we have next food so another one is sangria so everybody thinks that we're all drinking sangria all day every day and it's <laughs> yeah, just that, so that, not it's so not true <laughs> <laughs> we're drinking what we're drinking all day every day is wine lots of wine good wine red wine white mainly red wine spanish drink mm-hmm. but also some white white wine white wine and um beer lots of beer we drink heck of a lot of beer but beer here isn't considered as like um it's almost like not even alcohol i mean it does have alcohol in it but we drink it so kind of readily (laughs) freely it's like you're gonna ask for a coke you probably ask for a beer instead of coke like here in mcdonald's they sell beer it's just like normal yeah it's just (laughs) like normal because here beer is considered like a what they call refresco like a just a soft drink. A refreshener. Ah. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. So here we drink, especially when it's warmer weather. So from, uh, I don't know, like May until September, we're just drinking beer like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> and sangria um, is something that they used to, in the traditional wine places, it's a traditional wine bars, when the temperature goes up, like like now, it's really warm. It's maybe over 30 degrees. We're, we're just in June. It's probably about 34 degrees where I am today. Um, so when it gets to the, these temperatures, and it's going to be like this for months on end, you don't really want to drink red wine in the daytime mm. because it makes you sleepy, and then you've got to work in the afternoon, and you can't, whatever. So what happens is these people in, who run the wine bars, they're going to lose trade because the people aren't going to drink so much red wine and if all they sell is wine then they're in a mess so they invented this thing called sangria which was the red wine with some sugar in it and a, a some ice and if you put the sugar and the ice in quickly it brings the temperature down of the wine because this is a time when they wouldn't have had any fridges or anything fancy so this was a way of serving a red wine chilled very quickly and you said sugar and ice at the same time is it important to put at the same time yes because it has this effect on cooling the the drink okay so it cools it faster or what yes oh yeah because you've got no fridge so you you're in a very hot place you've got no fridge because it's the olden days yeah, no electric. I understand that. I thought, I thought yeah. it's, it's very important to put the, the fruit, the sugar, and the ice together at the same time. Correct. Yeah. So then it brings the temperature down of the drink, and the person can drink it. And that is the origin of sangria. I see. So there's none of this fruit and peaches floating about and this and that and strange alcohol inside the drink. It was just that. That was the origin of sangria. And then maybe it's got a little bit uh, kind of corrupt in in time. And later in New York, it was taken up as a cocktail and then repopulized in modern culture. And then it's got things in it, like it's red wine reduced with soda or reduced with uh, white clear lemonade and then with orange in it or lemon ice and usually something stronger maybe brandy maybe martini something added to it 
-hmm. So there's not really a standard for sangria, which is a little bit like the paella story. There's not really, there is a standard because the Valencians have invented it, but originally there wasn't a standard paella. It was Mm. just whatever family had around, they'd stick it in the pan. Well, sangria is a bit of a mystery drink. So if you go to ask for a sangria, depending where you are, it will be very, very different. It might be stronger. It might be weaker. It might be horrible. It might taste like chemicals. It might, like, it can be completely, completely different. Usually local people only drink sangria when they're making it themselves and they would only make it themselves if they're in a very kind of big type party situation they don't want to be messing about with glasses and uncorking wine and they want to make something big so that everybody can quickly get drinks Um, but usually it's in a very informal casual setting maybe outdoors something that kind of thing but a very like informal kind of party not very often Spanish person goes to a bar and asks for a sangria. Not very often. That makes sense we because know. when I when I go to these bars, I usually order a sangria. Uh, sometimes a glass, sometimes I find somewhere to share if we have a whole jug. But around the tables, nobody's drinking sangria. Now I know why. No. Because no, there's no, 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 no formula for it. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, so here, yeah, here people drink tinto de verano, which mm. is more similar to the original sangria, which is red wine with lemonade what we call here casera and um a slice of lemon or orange and ice yeah and that is cheaper than sangria and much nicer than sangria and also a lot more uniform so wherever you go it kind of tastes the same (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay Okay. So there you go. There's a trick. Tinto de verano, not okay. sangria. I mean, I, I know tinto de verano, but I thought sangria always sucks. It's more fancy, you know, so much more beautiful. Yeah, but it's marketing and it's watching films and God knows what. I understand but... now. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so do you, when, when this, do you know roughly when the sangria, you know, the original sangria started? Uh, which period? This is a long time ago. I don't yeah, know exactly the day, but maybe this is 17th century or I don't know, long time ago. Before yeah, well, 1500, 1600, something like that. Yeah. But, okay. Long, All right. Long time. Do you have sangria as a prop? No, I have <laughs> another bottle. What's that? Banana. Olive that oil. Olive oil. Olive oil looks like a yeah. bottle of gin. <laughs> yes, because it's a very special olive oil. So this is um, olive oil from Jaén province. So I don't know if you know, but Jaén is um, one of the places, well, the place in Europe with the most olive trees per surface area. Is it? Jaén, yeah. is it? Jaén, it's called the region of Jaén. And in fact, if you go to Jaén, the moment you set foot past the border, all you can see is olive trees, like as far as you can see. So Jaén are producing amazing olive oil, but generally Spain is producing amazing olive oil. So there's usually this uh, best olive oils in the world, um, a very prestigious prize uh, that appears that they do once a year. And on the list, the top 10, normally in the top 10, um, there's about five or six, I think more six of the top 10 are Spanish olive oils but mainly they're in Andalusia. So this area where where I live and the southern part of Spain, 
it's very uh, important olive oil uh, production and the quality is just getting better and better and better as they uh, transfer more land to not from more normal production to organic um, they're studying the health benefits of olives more and more and more and yeah so olive oil is really important but not only because it's good to buy the stuff um, when you're here oh there we go there's Hain that's the capital of Hain but you can see even in the city they've got olive oil they've got olive trees right on the edge of the city yeah and so Hain yeah, so is, is in Andalusia yeah, it's the next door neighbor to Granada. Ah, okay, yeah. right next to you, right next to you, okay. Yeah, so um, it's very important olive oil, but what I was going to say was, yeah. if people are coming to this area, this part of Spain, it's an excellent opportunity to get things like this, premium olive oil for lower prices than if it's imported into your country. Um, but also, just to think that practically everything here is what what we eat is made using olive oil because it's so abundant around here. So anything that's fried, anything that's produced is generally made with olive oil. Mm -hmm. So it's very healthy, even though we're eating all these tapas like all the time. <laughs> the tapas generally, the quality of them is really very good. And the food we're eating here is absolutely excellent. So we've got a gazillion like, opportunities to eat lo local produce in fact we're quite locals here are quite suspicious of things that come from far away they want to eat, eat things that local. they know who's made it or where it's come from um another just like, just like sangria they want to make it themselves <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want to know what's in it they don't yeah. want any antifreeze in there <laughs> <laughs> um and here we've got things like this Mango? Mangoes, yeah. So in southern uh, Spain, in Malaga and Granada, we produce mangoes, we produce uh, avocados, papaya, lots of things like that, tropical fruit. This mango smells absolutely amazing. It's like I've got to eat it today, it's ready. Amazing. So we've got lots of um, fruit, not only people think of oranges and lemons, we've got a ton of them. But we've also got things like tropical fruit, like mangoes, um, avocados, a, a kind of increasing in popularity and demands. So we're getting more um, plantations of avocados in this area as well. So on the food side of things, I mean, it's just never ending. You have so much selection, so things are so fresh. And that's something I really notice when I go back to the UK, how expensive the, the type of fruit and vegetables that I'm eating on a daily basis, how expensive it is when I go to the UK and also the quality isn't always quite as good because it's been refrigerated, it's taken longer to get there. I mean, last week I went to pick cherries off the tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're really spoiled around here. So basically that means that because we have so much local produce here, the standard is very high and then 
the people the local people who go to restaurants demand a very high level because they're eating very well at home so people that eat very well at home you can't serve them rubbish in a restaurant because they won't go back so it it all of this whole infrastructure drives up the quality of the food even in the most kind of normal bar because otherwise it won't it won't prosper if the locals won't aren't happy there you know it won't it won't be open for for very long i understand okay so do you have your own mango tree you can if you want isn't it sure i have avocado trees i wow. haven't got a mango tree i've got almond trees olives um a lot of trees i can't remember i can't remember oranges lemons quince apple peaches cherries <laughs> um, is that all in your garden no 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 oh. it's special land <laughs> no, I thought like, like you you like you no 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 i live in the city yeah oh, okay 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 <laughs> i live in the, i live in the city but in the village we have lands like a i'll say it's a farm but it's not a farm because it's not got a farmhouse and it's not uh -huh. got a dog but it's, it's like a land with all with all of the with all of the trees the thing is the almonds they're in one type of land that need, is a very dry, hilly, um, difficult terrain. And the avocados, they're in a different type of land that's looking towards the coast that is more kind of humid and a different kind of, it's a different climate. Even though it's in the same village, one has one orientation and one has the other orientation. So... So yeah, so I'm very lucky that I can just go and pick my own olive, olives, mm -hmm. avocados, peaches. I even lose count. The thing is, I forget. And then the season comes around and I go, oh yeah, amazing. Now it's time for whatever. Right now we've got, what have we got now? Oranges have just finished. Well, they finished a while ago, but we've been keeping them in the, in the fridge. So we've still got oranges left. Ah. Um, big oranges massive table oranges um and lemons we have almost all year round and now we've got plums a heck of a lot of plums okay um what else do you have more props yeah i have down here this is the last prop honey wow but this honey yes is made from mango mango honey what yeah yeah so imagine if you like mango and you like honey this is honey made from mango it's amazing wow very very sweet it's like doubly sweet so is that in your region so, as well yeah because we grow we where the mango trees are then this is collected from um beehives that are on that land so yeah it's oh, uh, oh I, see, I see so it's the coast of granada and the coast of uh Inland Malaga and the coast of Granada. So Vélez, Malaga and the coast of Granada have that have this. Yeah. Mango honey. That was interesting. Oh, okay. Well, really interesting uh, stuff over here. Um, do you think we missed anything? I don't know. I, there are so many things to I talk mean, I'm about. Sure we missed, I, I'm sure we well, missed Lot, just the, I, I think just one thing is that but the fact that when people come over, they should um, be a little bit adventurous and try new foods 
and maybe order some different sharing plates um, and be a bit yeah experimental and see kind of just order randomly off the menu and and try new things that maybe they didn't they wouldn't think they might like or they wouldn't they're not so familiar with for example my family we don't in the UK we don't tend to eat uh, pork very much but in Spain pork is the is like number one meat pork is in everything but here it's like it seems that they really know what to do with it. <laughs> so they cook it very, very well. So even if you think you don't like pork, when you eat it here, you like it. So I think people should be adventurous when they come to Spain and try new things and, and experiment with all the tapas and the sharing plates. And it's not such a big commitment. If you don't like something, then you can always order something else. <laughs> that is so well put. I mean, they know what to do with it. But it really makes sense. And as you said, order something that you don't know. I really, I think that was a great ending of the podcast because you can eat McDonald's in your own city as well. Just just try wow. something new. You're already there. You're already there. Perfect. I think that was great ending. Thanks so much, Molly. Thanks so much for the props and showing us and for the knowledge, for everything. You were <laughs> great. Pleasure. It was a great pleasure. And I, I wish you just a fantastic day over there. Okay, thank you. It's been great speaking to you. And that's a wrap for yet another travel episode. Thank you so much for listening to the whole thing. If you have listened that on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That will mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Also, if you have a friend, a cousin, or a teacher, or anybody else who you think will be suitable for this series, please connect us and let's make this happen. Thanks so much once again. I wish you a fantastic day.